Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. It is now time for Sports Minutes with Elliot Danka and Ziaul Raushan. Today, another sensitive topic uh, that we're discussing. Uh, and it's on the back of this headline. Uh, Swedish striker Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been called up to the Sweden squad, the international squad, at the age of 41 years wow. old. That's some feet. He's my age. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up. Let you bring it up yourself. So there's hope yet if the Singapore national team are looking for someone, I guess. But to answer your question... I'll get a red card. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite impressive that at 41 years of age, Zlatan is still being considered for the national team. Because you think about football, you think about needing to have the exuberance of youth, needing mm. to have uh, speed in your legs. Yeah. And that's not something you often associate with a 41-year-old. But... If you read beyond the headline, I think the coach has made it clear that Zlatan, chances are, will not be starting games. But he's in that squad to bring that experience mm. and bring that big game mentality, which we know Zlatan has plenty of. European Championship qualifiers uh, against Belgium and Azerbaijan. But, I mean, uh, did, and, and, and here's my question, right? Are we Do we set... Uh, a sort of a prejudice when it comes to sport in a sense that uh, sport or such sports are only for the young yet you'll have those that say that age is just a number which is rubbish uh, <laughs> to, to me uh. I, I think I think in this day and age with the way technology is sport sciences you can't really use age as a barometer it's more you can be a certain age on your on your official certifications sure. but bodily you may be much younger as long as you keep up to a certain thing I think I think Zlatan is testament to that but I think like for Zlatan's case right okay granted that they've the coach has said that he's not going to start the game and I think that at a top fight football club you can have someone who's in his 40s at the club because it's a series of more than 38 games mm-hmm. there are the cup games as well so you need to rotate I see that as a possibility but as a national team, it's a short burst kind of thing. Yep. You know, a tournament is a short burst. So, and, and you want to qualify strong. So I, I don't know. Is, is this the right move? Perhaps it then speaks of the wider problem of Sweden not possibly having that good a pipeline oh, in terms of talent okay. to replace the likes of Zlatan. But I think with a country like Sweden, population size compared to the rest of Europe, the big wigs in Europe, shall yeah. we call it, yeah. they po- perhaps have a smaller talent pool, therefore the competition is less. But again, Zlatan, having been there, done that, their all-time top scorer, he comes with bucket loads of experience that even if you're bringing a youngster in, they will lack that big game now, right? And hopefully Zlatan can transfer that to whoever comes through. It feels like you're saying he'd be a glorified cheerleader. I mean, don't forget, this guy just recovered from ACL, second ACL, I think. Second, yes. Uh, and at the age of 41, believe me, I know that it's it's so hard to recover from that. Sports signs or whatever signs you want to throw I at the problem. But Zlatan <laughs> is one of those who just uh, defies logic sometimes, right? He's so good at possibly knowing how to manage his body yeah. and be at the peak of performances. So that's possibly why he's coming back from two ACL injuries. And also, perhaps, I'm just looking beyond the headline here, there's a wider push for people to support the Swedish national team. Therefore, they've brought back Zlatan, okay. who is essentially a Swedish icon, a global icon, I okay. dare say. So there might be layers to the reason he's being called back, not necessarily all related to football. And I think... 
the title of the podcast is is old goal. So perhaps there are other factors that an older person can bring to a team that we need to look into. So if you were to apply that to the workplace, I mean, there is a a, a stand that you know you shouldn't have ageism, and I think it goes both ways, right? Older people saying, "Oh, you young person don't know anything," mm. and young people saying, "You old, you're passe already." Um. I guess companies really have to examine when when they're going to bring in like a veteran. If let's say it's 20 years from now and Money FM decides to rehire me, and hopefully I'm retired by then. But then the question is, so what exactly am I bringing? Because now it's like uh, people are social media savvy. Mm. By then, you know, everything's going to be on video as well. What are your thoughts on this, man? From an employer's perspective, I can see why they would lean towards experience sometimes because perhaps if you have a group full of youngsters, then yeah. there's no guidance or there's no leadership in that team. I mean, there are leaders who are young and bright despite the age being lesser than the rest, but you want that experienced hand to guide them through, especially turbulent times. And I think another thing we can take note is if Money FM were to call you 20 years from now, perhaps it's in the benefit of knowledge that you will not then be looking for something else because there is a label on the younger right, generation that right. they are often thinking the grass is greener on the other side. Ah, so okay. if from an employer perspective, if I were to uh, spend some time yeah. investing in the young talent and then the young talent leaves me, yeah. what is my ROI there? Okay, so this is a good question for you because, I, I mean, you've been my director before and I know that uh, as a TV director, you've actually looked at pairing hosts and a lot of times I've noticed you tend to pair a slightly more experienced host with a younger host. Uh, so what goes through your mind when you do those? I think to answer your question quite simply, that would be because there's a good balance of okay. energy as well as authority. I <laughs> okay. think that comes with the experience of age without mentioning any names. I think when you are a bit more experienced, mm, you have mm. a bit of gravitas, a bit right, of authority. Right. And then hopefully you add, depending on the show, of course, you add a bit of youthful ex- exuberance right. from a younger presenter per se. And I personally think that adds quite a nice a dynamic mix, a bit like me and you behind this microphone. Oh, well, that's one way of putting it. So who's the old one here? I, I have my suspicions. But, you know, it's also a case of, and, and it's a difficult one, right? You do this with, uh, so let's take, for example, the Mercedes team. Uh, obviously keeping Lewis Hamilton, who is breaking stereotypes. In the past, you know, you got guys like Jensen Button or Mark Webber or even Michael Schumacher at, at one stage. Uh, Daddy Time was calling reflexes a little bit slow with Hamilton seems to be still quite competitive but there is also this empowerment of George Russell the much younger much less experienced driver even though he's been on the podium how how do you give the right amount of empowerment to the younger people I think with Mercedes, that example you bring up is spot on in terms of how they've covered their bases yeah. almost. They're almost future-proofing themselves True. because yeah. I agree with you, Lewis Hamilton is not exactly retiring to the sunset just yet. He's still at the top of his game, but they're looking 10 years down mm. the road, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess it's a fine balance in terms of, we've discussed it on this very show itself, in terms of getting that advice from Lewis Hamilton, a seven-time world champion, and then transferring it to the technology yeah. that will hopefully help George Russell achieve great things as well. And I think on both ends, the older end as well as the younger end, both need to be open to receive feedback as well as accept yeah. feedback and then hopefully pull in the same direction. I mean, the boss is so important in this scenario, right? Toto Wolff, uh, the team principal for Mercedes and the way he's balanced and managed this. Because I take you back even further behind, um, 
when Lewis Hamilton was a rookie in Mercedes, they empowered him because he's like born and bred, right? Um, and then his other driver was at that time two-time world champion Fernando Alonso. The result was they both crashed into each other. Exactly. Alonso was unhappy. It's all about that management, right? You bring up the Mercedes example. I can give you the Manchester United example where when Ronaldo burst into that scene yeah. all those years ago, Ruth Van Nistelrooy was the elder statesman then. He was yeah. a bit like, what's this young boy doing? Yeah. yeah. He's got a bag of tricks. But and how he effective? argued with his boss, uh, exactly. Sir Alex. And history will tell you who won that argument yeah. purely yeah. because Sir Alex Ferguson put in a man-managing masterclass, yeah. trusting his eggs in the Ronaldo basket. Yeah. And Van Nistelrooy could have achieved greater things in his career. He did achieve some great things, but he acted up slightly. So that's why I think the conversation we are having in terms of the older person, having the experience, but also having the heart to then transfer it to a younger yeah. person helps a long way. And it serves the manager's interest as well, because like uh, how Martin Whitmarsh managed that McLaren situation with Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso and where is he today? Uh, and then you've got a case of Toto Wolff and how he constantly is managing the Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, and even before that with Nico Rosberg. So Alex Ferguson is another example. Uh, Eric Ten Hag and, and what he's, he's done uh, with uh, you know the current Manchester United squad. Questions being asked over Jurgen Klopp. Have you trusted the same people for too long? You're out of the Champions League. Exactly. I think that's a conversation or a accusation being levelled at Jurgen Klopp yeah. after the defeat to uh, Real Madrid in yep. the Champions League and then packing so that's when that that's why they get paid the big bucks I guess to make it's those <laughs> decision calls those management calls knowing when to refresh when to basically stick or twist and I think in Jürgen Klopp's case the proof is in the pudding yes they may have had a very eye-catching result in the past few weeks but overall perhaps he's trusted his lieutenants a bit too long yeah. without empowering the younger ones enough for that transition to happen so I think it's it's a, it's a delicate balance it trying is, to make it, it work. It is. You know, so back to the Zlatan Ibrahimovic story. Uh, you know, of course, Zlatan being called up to the Sweden squad at the age of 41. I was in the San Siro uh, last year. I went into the dressing room. This is the AC Milan Stadium, uh, if you're not uh, aware. Um, and in the dressing room, everyone has their own seats. There is one chair that no one is allowed to sit on. The throne, is it? It's, it, it's the same, but there's just, just this particular chair uh, within the dressing room that no one's allowed to sit on. And that is the Paolo Maldini chair. Uh, his jersey number three was retired. Oh, I think only his son has the option to pick it up. Mm. Except one person who spoke with Paolo Maldini and asked for permission to sit that chair. And only this is the only person that's allowed to sit. And it was a person that was brought in by Paolo Maldini. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And as the tour guy was talking about it, he, he he kind of alluded to the respect that Ibrahimovic commands in the dressing room, not just on the pitch, in the dressing room, which seems to be bigger than being a footballer outside. Yeah, I think that's uh, perhaps what Zlatan will bring to the Swedish yeah. national team in terms of that, that aura, that aura of having been there, done that, and he's done it in multiple leagues across Europe as well yeah. as in America as well. So, to your point, if he can convince Paolo Maldini that he deserves that much respect, yeah. imagine walking into the Swedish dressing room and the respect he will garner from the younger peers in that audience and what they will stand to learn from him. I think there's plenty of experience yeah. to be gained. We also have to give him credit for how 
uh, he has boosted the morale to the point that you know AC Milan did win their first title in what twenty years or something like that, um, and and they're doing quite decently this year in the Serie A as well. Yeah, they are, and I think they can continue to push in that direction. And I think Zlatan, credit to him, he has realized that perhaps his influence doesn't have to be on the pitch as it was all those years ago, mm. but he, to your point, can be a glorified cheerleader. Yeah. Hey, can I confess something else to you? I mean, since we have this bromance thing going on, yeah, once uh, discussed that, you know, if I were to have a son, what I would name my son, and I say it's Latan. <laughs> ah, that explains Latan Denka. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.